If you wish to reach me about any of the topics covered in this episode or any other episode, you can get me or email joe at jdc.ie or follow me on LinkedIn under Joseph Dalton. I also need your help to spread the word. If you could please take two minutes to share, like or make a comment on this episode, I would be truly grateful. Jeb, well, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Tell me, how did you get into sales? Where did the whole the whole idea start with yourself? I was in high school and I joined the yearbook staff when I was in 11th grade, uh, which would be my junior year. And I only joined the yearbook staff because there were girls on the yearbook staff and I wanted to hang out with girls. And I thought it'd be pretty easy to take pictures of things and put them in a book. And our teacher uh, gave us these ad sheets because you had to sell ads for the yearbook. So all the kids, you know, at the end at the, at the end of the year, we'd still go out and sell ads. And so I got the ad sheet and I went out and started selling ads. And I didn't realize that you were supposed to go home to your parents and get your parents to give you like three hundred dollars for the ad. <laughs> you know, I, I went to the local businesses in my town and started asking for advertising and I ended up selling three thousand dollars worth of ads. And uh, and, came, you know, came back and, and real, first of all, I really enjoyed the fact that it blew everybody away that I th- sold so much. I liked it when I was asking people for money and they gave me money. I, I, I call that sales crack. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, and then they made me the editor of the yearbook. And I realized that if you can outsell people, then you can you get promotions, you get the accolades, you get money, you get all kinds of stuff. Write your own paycheck. I, I fell in love with it from there. And uh, and I've been in sales in some capacity ever since, either you know, in sales or leading sales uh, you know, from for most of my, my life, which – so when it when it came time to start a business, the only thing I really knew how to do was sales. So I started Sales Gravy, and I've been I've been selling Sales Gravy ever since. And how long is Sales Gravy going? Eleven years. Wow. Uh, I, um, yeah, you know, typical story. I was it was in the middle of the recession, uh, that you know was the worst financial crisis of my lifetime. And the I worked for a huge company. I was a vice president of sales for a, a fourteen billion dollar company. And when the bottom fell out of everything, like many, many people, I was faced with career choices. And I decided at that moment to become an entrepreneur uh, versus, you know, versus going back into the corporate world. And it was a really, really hard decision to make because I had the safety and security of the corporate world. And it, was, and it, and it wouldn't have been hard for me to go back and get another executive job at a large company. It was just that, you know, it was that moment of truth where I had to make a decision and I, I chose the entrepreneurial route. And of course, it was a grind for, you know, four or five years of just really, really hard work. Uh, and but it's all paid off today. We're, you know, we're a business. We're doubling the size of our company every single year now. So that's amazing. But, I, but it's a lot of people who have the same story that they just, you know, you have that you hit that moment where there's this there's this break in, in everything that you thought was supposed to be your life. And, and I was in my dream job. So it wasn't like I was you know, in a situation where I didn't like my job. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get away from it. It just got away from me. It's, it's crazy. As you know, I had uh, Alice Hyman on and she tells a similar story, you know, with the recession and everything as well. And, and similar to myself, it was a real case of, you know, letting go and really figuring out who I was or who I am and just being the true me. And I think once people start being the true person, they're businesses will flourish but you're right about one thing i don't think anyone really understands the first two three years of a business and what the hell you go through you know (laughs) splitting up the burger at night and sharing it between the four people and and not being able to go to the cinema because you're just working on that business and but i think it's having the focus and the end result 
which makes us entrepreneurs. I, I agree. It, it's a grind. I mean, I, I can I, I clearly remember, you know, waking up, you know, the first three, at least the first three to four years, I would wake up crying at least once a week <laughs> in the middle of the night, like in a complete panic. Yeah, that I was going to fail, you know, and have to crawl back and beg somebody to give me a job. And, you know, and, and, and in a lot of respects, once you go down the entrepreneurial route as you know, and, and from a business standpoint, it's very hard for companies to hire you back. So I knew that in some ways I was, you know, I was basically screwed, making myself <laughs> unemployable. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think people realize you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the times when my family would go do something and I'm, I'm sitting at my desk, I would work back in those years. I worked until my body hurt. I mean, yeah. my, my I would my literally my entire physical being exhaustion, would be aching from exhaustion. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and we still work hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. My wife and I, um, and my wife's our CFO, uh, at, you know, for our company, the two of us, we work pretty much seven days a week. I mean, there's, there's rarely time that we take any time off, but it's not like it used to be like today. I know that if, you know, if Saturday goes by and I don't work, the business is going to be fine. I know tomorrow we're going to make money. I know that we're not in a situation where there's any imminent, you know, disaster waiting for us. We're, 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 you're at a place where the business sustains itself yeah, almost. I mean, there's it. almost a place where if I left the business and someone else came in, this company could keep on running. So, but boy, I tell you what, I, I, you're exactly right. I don't, I don't think people uh, really get what it takes in the early years of being an entrepreneur in terms of grind in order to make it happen. Look, it's something I've said on many a show. If, if starting up your own business was easy, we'd have no employees and everybody be self-employed. That's a good way. That's a great way of putting it. I like that. Yes, that's the exactly reality right. of it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know, and but it's and we're the ones that kind of go right, and when everything else is falling to shit, you go right. I can, I can do this and keep looking yes. away on it. So look, getting into this into sales, a lot of people out there and they go, oh, the phone is dead, and there's other people that argue that prospecting doesn't exist anymore, and it's all about social media. And now there's a big talk about social selling, which in my day, 20, 30 years ago when I was selling, we were social selling, but we just did it differently. We didn't have platforms. We we basically met people for a point. Yes, you that's know. Right. So. What's what's you? I read your book there a couple of months ago um, on prospecting, and it blew my mind out. And it resonated a lot with my opinion. What drove you to write it? Was it hearing a lot of stories from a lot of people, or was it just going? I need to get this message out here and tell people what's really going on with sales. I got pissed off. I mean, the reason I wrote Fanatical Prospecting is it just got pissed off. So I'm a sales practitioner. I've been selling my whole life, and we just go back to the grind of building my business. And just imagine that one day you're a corporate executive. The next day you don't have a job, so you have to go figure it out on your own. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like build a website and wait for people to come to you? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I get you got to you got to pay bills. You got to feed your family. You got to look your you know your spouse in the eyes and say, I'm going to start my own business, but I'm going to be able to sustain this. So what did I do? I Man, I I sat at a desk in my home and I started making cold calls. That's what I did. Yeah. And yeah. I picked up the phone and I called companies. And I, I did it for two solid years. I cold called just me. Now, I went from just give you an example of this. So, so people get the, the picture of this. I went from corner office with two assistants flying around on the corporate jet, you know, basically massive expense account, um, living, living, you know, the, 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 the life of an executive in a Fortune 500 company, which is almost like being a rock star in some cases at that level. I went from that 
to picking up the phone and cold calling. And the reason I did that was because I knew that that worked because that's how I got the corporate job to begin with because I was the best salesperson in my company year in and year out. And I got promoted because I was able to do that. So I had complete faith in my ability to build my company because I knew if I talked to people, I could make I could sell stuff. So that's what I did. And you know what I also did? I went out and uh, in, in the early days, I would go out and I would go to like conventions and job fairs and I would crash job fairs because salespeople and sales leaders were there. And I would go talk to them and I got kicked out by security a bunch of times. But I would just go do that. And and I did that and did that and did that and did that. And I built one company after another company after another company, another customer after another customer. And, you know, and one day at my first enterprise client, I, I sold them. I mean, a big old huge client. The whole thing was from making cold calls. Yeah. So so I know like I know what works. I know what works is that you have to talk to a lot of people. Now, clearly, if you talk to the right people, it works even better. If you if you're more targeted, it's even better. If you if you call the right people at the right time, even better. Does that to say that social selling, which is basically just so we're just really clear on this, it's marketing. I mean, all it is is marketing. That's all social selling is. You're not selling anything on social media. You're creating familiarity. You're getting yeah, out you're there. You're making you know your people. brand aware. People yeah. are exactly know. Like, I do the radio show here on yeah. Dublin South FM. I do the podcasts. I do the short little one-minute videos, and I throw them up on LinkedIn. I write the blogs. All that is is just making people go, I exist. I am here. Yeah. Hello. Exactly. How are you? It, so when, when you call them, they know who you are. It makes you more familiar. Yeah. Sometimes... I call people 20 times in a row after they hear my name on their voicemail 20 times in a row. I'm familiar now. They'll answer the yeah. phone. Yeah, it's, it's like we always say, it's touch points. You know, people yes. have to know who you are, what you are, and know your voice. I write letters out to companies, and I sign the letters. I handwrite the envelope, send it out to the client, telling them what we do, touch one. And, Absolutely. And, and what I laugh at as well is, like yourself, I came from a very lucrative job. We were probably called the Billionaires Boys Club. Cash wasn't an issue to us every week, every month we were getting our paychecks. We were driving fast cars. We were, we were living mm -hmm. the dream. And then it all sort of ends when you decide to go out on your own. So, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I feel your love and your passion. Yeah, it's listen, I know what works and I know my clients know what works. And I know that the 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 basics of reaching out to people work. Now, you can make it better. You can make it easier. Like you said, there can be a cadence. I believe in a balanced prospecting methodology. So I believe that you should call. You should if you if you're a person that's not an inside salesperson in the field, you should go knock on someone's door. You should walk in their business. You should have a relationship with them on social media. If you can, you should send them an email. You should send them text messages. You could you should write physical letters and send those. <laughs> exactly. Talk them at night. Send yeah. smoke signals. Send yeah. a carrier pigeon. Yeah. You know, whatever it takes, you should do that. But the but the message that you're seeing on social media, there was a moron that put one up yesterday that said, you know, salespeople shouldn't even call people because it's irritating to them. Well, yeah, it's irritating. Hell yeah, it's irritating to them. Nobody wants to talk to you when you interrupt their day. But if you don't interrupt their day, you're not going to sell anything. If you don't sell anything, you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage and feed your family. It's I mean, the whole point of selling is that you're interrupting someone who wasn't expecting you to be there and you engage them and you sell them something they weren't thinking about buying. Otherwise, it's called order taking. Well, I mean, that's the, well that's let, the point. let me give you this. I was speaking to a lady yesterday and she said she was at a course and the guy at the course raised her hand and says, who here doesn't like salespeople? And they all put up their hands and they, they went, what are you doing? 
Yes, they're all, you're all self-employed. You're all salespeople. Yes, you're, right. <laughs> you know? And it annoys me there where, you know, any, if anyone ever calls me or sends me an email, I respond to them. And if they call me, I listen to the sales guy. I know <laughs> I'm not going to buy, but I, have, I listen to him. And I hate when people, you know, go out with salespeople and hang up on them. Yeah. You know, this guy's just doing his job. Give him, give him the time of the day. You're in business. You're looking to attract people. How would you like people treating you like that? So I say treat people to like the way you, you like to be treated yourself. Well, it's, it's fantastic when I, when I go to a businesses and I have clients that I'll walk up and I'll take pictures and show them. I'm like, you got a no solicitation sign out on, on, like, on the outside of your building and you have an entire sales team back here that you have me train to go out and go knock on doors of people that are in buildings just like yours like what kind of a message are you sending i don't want salespeople to come in my building but i want my salespeople to go in other people's buildings yeah yeah you know so it's it's the you know but but that's what salespeople do good salespeople walk past the no solicitation sign and they walk to the door and they engage people and and if you can't do that if you're if you're if you're so sensitive to rejection that that it's so uncomfortable that you it makes you you know like you get a you puke in the parking lot before you walk in places Sales is not the right place for you. It's not for everybody, and that's okay. There's there's no problem with that. But if you're going to be in sales, you know, don't listen to all of these these uh, these charlatans who are pandering to you, playing to your worst fears, mostly because they can't do it themselves and they just want company for their misery. Anytime you think of something, think the five seconds, do it because the brain kicks in, the mind kicks in, and you don't do it. That's true. I've done a video on it. Um, it'll be up on LinkedIn now in the next in the next day or so. I'm calling a playbook, and I think that every sales company should have a playbook. And the playbook is in how do your guys meet and greet? When do they send that email out? What is the response after that first email? What is the response after the you know when they make that call? When they call? So it's a playbook, and it's you don't send a football team out onto a field and they're all running around doing their own thing, bouncing off each other. They have a playbook, and your sales team should have the same process. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's one of the the, uh, the the services that we provide as a company. We we I have a team of people. We develop playbooks yeah. for companies, and we uh, we do them in hard copy. We have cool apps that we can build for the sales team. So if you're out there, you know, and you you're walking into a particular type of business, you can dial in and say, okay, in this particular business, what's what's the play that we run for this type of business in this vertical? So yeah, you're exactly right, and. And that's, you know, that's taking books like Fanatical Prospecting that are built for a general audience and then dialing a system in specific to your company, because every company, every system is different. The way you go about business is different. Your vision for who you are is different. Your message is different. And I do not believe in a one size fits all process for sales. I think that that everything works in sales, you know, sometimes for everybody, depending on where you are. So every organization, to your point, needs to have a unique set of plays that they run for their sales organization. And then they teach that over and over and over again, just like, uh, you know, a football team would teach, just like a rugby team would teach. Um, you, you have a set of plays and you run them. And when you do that systematically, it's almost it's it's almost impossible to lose. It is indeed. I'm just going to take a short break. Are you looking to boost your performance, motivate your sales team, have an all-round structure to your marketing? Get in touch with myself at Breakthrough Brands or contact me at joe at jdc.ie. To 
So, look, we're talking about sales and we're talking about prospecting. Why do people fear prospecting? Well, the reason they fear prospecting is because they fear rejection. And they fear rejection because it's a natural it's just a natural tendency for human beings. Human beings are built to be sensitive to rejection. And the reason that we're built to be sensitive to rejection is because through evolution, rejection teaches us how to operate with other human beings, where the lines are drawn with other human beings. So over time, human beings who developed a sensitivity to rejection were people were more likely over time to to perpetuate their their genes they were able to, to you know to continue to be a part of the gene pool and people who were oblivious to rejection typically were cast out and uh, didn't make it so so it's natural for you as a human being to see rejection as something that is to be avoided but the thing for salespeople is that it's a job where you have to seek out rejection so you have to do something that for a human being is completely unnatural so for me I always begin there look it's it's okay to, that you feel, you know, trepidation before you do a prospecting call because you feel like you don't want to be pushy, that you don't want to be rejected. The truth, though, is that in in sales, you're not actually getting rejected. I mean, every once in a while, somebody will say, screw you on the telephone. But I mean, for the most part, we know the truth. And that's just a, a handful of people that really reject you. Most of the time, it's just an objection. It's an objection to meeting with you. I'm not interested or we already have a vendor or I don't have time right now or, you know, call me in three weeks or whatever. Mostly it's that. And those are objections. And the problem for most people is that they don't see the difference between an objection and a rejection. So for a salesperson, the first step is just to be aware of the fact that when you get a prospecting objection, it feels like rejection. And that's why you don't want to do it. And and then wh- where I come, come from is I always think about what's on the other side of that. Like, what do I want? Yeah. So, for example, you know, I told you earlier in the show, like I, I, I had to look across the table at my family who, when I said I'm going to build a business, and I, I wanted them to be proud of me, I wanted to be able to feed them, I, I wanted to be successful. So when I sat in my office and made cold calls, you know, all day long to businesses that didn't know me with not a very big or good value proposition, did I feel, you know, trepidatious? Yeah. Did I did I feel like I was getting rejected? Yeah. Was it uncomfortable? Absolutely. I mean, all of those things were true. However, what I really, really wanted was I wanted a successful business. Yeah. So I used that desire, right, to help me deal with the natural emotional response to rejection so that I could seek out rejection and I could deal with it and I could get what I wanted. And every salesperson, I believe, has to do some level of that depending on where you fit on the, you know, on the on the scale from, you know, pure psychopath where you feel nothing right to people who are super empathetic and they really feel rejection so there's some place in there that most of us fit and you just have to figure out what it is that allows you to just catch the rejection and the objections that you're getting deal with them and move on to the next one Uh, uh, and and once you have that system in place then it's 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 relatively easy to to keep going but I don't want to discount. I, I'm not a you know, I don't I don't like to glorify rejection. I don't I, it's, it, nobody wants to feel rejected. And, and there's and there's nothing that's that's cool about doing that. It's just that you have to understand in sales. This is part of the game. You have to seek it out. This is this is what you have to do. And like you said earlier, like if you're unwilling to do that, like if you look at it and it just you can't do it, go do something else. There are tons of things out there that are way better than this. And there's nothing there's nothing fun about, you know, waking up every day 
and not wanting to go do your job. It's not fun. There's two things that pop to mind there. One, I think the reason why I'm good at sales because when I was a pimpled Irish redhead, um, the amount of rejections I got from girls... <laughs> <laughs> which helped me on the rejection path and and now I think that I'm going to do a reverse psychology that when I make cold calls I'm hoping to get 10 rejections a day and every one I do I ring a bell <laughs> I used to do that I would count no's like I want to get I want to I, I want to find out I, I tried like I'm trying to get rejected so you know every day I was like I want to get 60 people to tell me no today yeah. that's how I would do it so in my early days I would uh, I just every I would put a little you know chit mart on the uh, on the on the paper every time somebody told me no yeah, and that was my goal just and, how many notes can I get and your wife is going oh my god he must have made a new sale <laughs> he's made uh, no, he, well, he's made ninety well, rings today oh <laughs> <laughs> well, I would call my wife and go I've been told no sixty times a day and she go you are insane you've oh, lost yeah. your mind yeah. I'm like it's awesome people yeah. people are rejecting me these are talking yeah, to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was just a game, you know? Yeah. The, the, I find, I think, the reason why people are frightened of prospecting or using the phone, picking them up, they have, say, someone sitting on their prospect list, and at that moment in time, they are a prospect. And if they ring that person up and that person tells them no, they are no longer in that pipeline of a prospect, and that's what they fear. So they still have... 200 300 people and they're fearful if they go through them and 90 percent of them say no the prospect list is declining does that make sense it, it does and it's a fallacy yeah because 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 so, somebody said no to Dan, and i love what you said because I, I see salespeople mow through lists like that i had an executive in one of our fanatical prospecting boot camps who was proving to his salespeople that what you just explained was a fallacy we did six prospecting blocks in this boot camp. He started off with a list of 25 names on it. And he, all he did was call that same 25 names the entire time. And he got beat up, rejected. He got hit by gatekeepers. He got, you know, he got voicemail. He got this, he got this. But at the end of six 30 minute call blocks, calling the same 25 prospects over and over and over again, he ended up with 11 appointments. Yeah. And what he was yeah. explaining to his people is it's the process of prospecting that creates familiarity. It's the process of prospecting that gives you additional information that allows you on the next call to say the right thing to get the person to meet with you to create enough interest. And, and, and what he was trying to explain to his people is, you, I give you a list of a thousand people, you call them all once and then tell me you don't have any list left. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so it is... It is it is persistence. It is an ongoing process. Now, if the person says, listen, you know, Jeb, don't ever call me again, ever, 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 because I don't make any decisions at this company about this particular product. You can call me until the cows come home, but it's not going to change anything. OK, I might get a clue that maybe that's not the right person to call. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to call that company. I'm just not going to call that person. So I'm just going to go find someone else in that company to call, and I'm going to call them 25 times until they tell me they can either make the decision or I need to move on to someone else. So it's it's um, it's but that but that 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 idea if I call once and you know move on, a lot of that's just driven it's, yeah, by it's fear. To them. It's it's you know there's another thing as well that you get sales guys that will and we try and educate them they get on the phone and they go hi i'm i'm such and such from thing and and, and they're, they're trying to squeeze everything in all yes. the, all the right in and i have to do this and we have to do that and we get, and and they're doing it and they're trying to jam everything in in one breath in the first 30 seconds hopefully that's something they say might spark a man to go okay let me know more and it's ridiculous they, they should just get in and go look 
this is I'm my job here is to tell you exactly what I have, and it's your job to make that decision. Yes, and That's just it. talk to Keep them in a way that they're having a normal conversation with a, a normal person on the other side. Absolutely. Keep it simple. Keep it just simple, keep it simple. Yeah. It's just a conversation. And that's I was coaching one of my salespeople two nights ago on, on this. And he would he's, he's getting people on the telephone. He's got them engaged. And then they say, well, you know, tell me about this. And, you, and he just dumps everything on top of them versus just set the appointment. Yeah, yeah. Set an appointment for 15 minutes so that you can have a conversation with them. Because you just interrupted their day, and no matter what you say, they, they weren't prepared for it. Yeah. So you you want to make sure they're prepared for it. So just keep it simple and just get the get the time. We're 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 talking about you know pretty big purchases in terms of sales training and consulting, and you're not gonna you're not gonna get somebody to to buy that in a you know in a thirty second phone call. No. So just slow down, take your time, and uh, and the right the right prospects will set the time aside. To spend to spend with you, I believe that the phone should be only used for appointments. Um, Absolutely. What about the other thing as well about cold calling and knocking at doors? And we talk about uh, receptionists, um, and I say that receptionists aren't gatekeepers. Receptionists should be your friends because they're the the people that get you into the next level. How do you handle receptionists? I'm nice to them. I treat them like human beings. Yeah. I show them respect. Um, I ask them for, 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 for information. For me, anybody, gatekeepers, receptionists, anybody that works there has information that when they give it to me makes my list better, makes the information better, makes it um, more likely that when I do get the person that I need to talk to on the telephone that I can convert them into an appointment. And and I don't I don't believe in tricks. I don't believe in getting frustrated. The receptionist has a job. They're, they're a human being. They probably have a family just like you. Yeah. They probably have... You know the same hopes and dreams and wishes. So they their job is to protect their company from you. So the easiest way to get past them is to be a human being, be authentic, be nice, and and build a relationship. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it takes me four or five conversations with the receptionist before they acquiesce and go, "I'll help you," and I'll show you what to do. And then they and then they give me the keys to the kingdom. There's one thing I'm going to share with you, salespeople. They know all the tricks, you know, when you ring up and pretend that you know the MD or they know all those <laughs> tricks, you know, like, hi, how are you today? Oh, here we go. Another sales guy, you know, or is John there? Oh, here we go. They know them all because they get 20, 30 calls a day. So that's what I'm telling all the salespeople out there. Cop on. That is exactly right. What's the future for you? But we're just growing. You know, we're um, my company is a, a, a mission to be a twenty five million dollar company uh, in the next five years. And we're right on track for that. So we're adding, you know, we're scaling by adding trainers. Um, I've got a new book coming out in the spring called Objections that we believe is going to be really, really big. And and we're building already building the training content around that. It's a follow up to Sales EQ which is a follow-up to fanatical prospecting. So we'll have four books in that series, so there'll be a book coming behind Objections. I've got another book coming out in the fall called Fanatical Military Recruiting that's written primarily for uh, for voluntary military voluntary military uh, organizations like the United States military. All our, we have a voluntary force. 
So they have huge recruiting organizations that are essentially salespeople, selling people into the, a career in the military. Uh, and, uh, well. and then next year we'll have um, the uh, the fanatical prospecting playbook will be out sometime in the spring. But we're, I mean, we're just we're cranking. We love what we do. We have a, I mean, we I sometimes have to pinch myself, man, because I just I wake up every day and I get to do the coolest job on earth, and that's to help people sell more and and make more money and you know do better for their family and i, I just can't imagine a, a better place to be it's funny do you know that lead boy um and that's who i was trained by um his training course was the main training course for recruiting uh the military in the uh u.s i had no idea yeah and yeah at one stage he had probably trained more people than anyone else in america mm-hmm. Uh, and I wow! Was, yeah, and I was trained by him, and his training course. And God rest his soul. Wow. Now, um, I worked with the U.S. military uh, with uh, AutoSource uh, for nearly 15 years. I was on aircraft carriers and traveling around the world uh, for wow. selling cars to the U.S. military, um, um, all over the, all over Europe, all over the states, Guam, Singapore, all over. And it was his training that taught us how to sell cars to the American military. So, <laughs> that? Fantastic! Yeah, wow. yeah, we'd sit on wow. an I'd sit on an Small aircraft world. carrier with nine thousand people, with a laptop, and would be uh, <laughs> pitching them cars. I'll tell you that another. I'll tell you that story another day. <laughs> that is a cool story. I want to hear that for yeah, sure. Yeah. And tell me, uh, what what business advice would you offer somebody? The best business advice I can give you is to make yourself obsolete, and it's tough as an entrepreneur to do that, and it's tough as a leader to do that. But when you make yourself obsolete, what that means is that you are building a team of people around you that are as good as you are, that allow you to scale. And the problem with entrepreneurs in particular, um, the problem with, uh, and, and, I, and this is my problem too, so I'm, I'm wearing this t-shirt, is that you build the business, you know where everything is, you have a lot of control over things, and everything begins to revolve around you. And Delegate. because of that, it's impossible to scale. Yeah. So... It's learning to let go. It's learning to build leaders around you, learning to build the people and develop the people around you. The playbook that you were talking about earlier is a big piece of that. Um, that that's If you can make yourself obsolete, um, you can scale really, really fast. And, uh, and, and you, no, no matter who you are as a leader or an entrepreneur, sooner or later you're going to come face-to-face with the fact that you have to do this. Uh, I have and, and many times in my life. And it's, it's, an, it's an excruciating process to begin letting go. But when you do, you start moving a lot faster. Cut the apron strings. Absolutely. Jeb, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. So tell me when it kicks in.